What's on the Menu with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3, and you're on 12 to 1 with me, Adrian Abraham. And today I'm joined by Rishi Nalindra. He is the chef and owner of Cheek Bistro, Cloud Street, and Kotua. Rishi, welcome to Money FM. How are you? Very good, Adrian. Very, very excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, Rishi, before we dive into what's on the menu at Kotua, let's take it back a bit. At the age of 18, you went to Australia to study architecture. However, it was the buzz of the kitchen that caught your attention. What did your parents say about this change in career path? I mean, it sort of came out of necessity. I don't know if that's how they saw it, but I did definitely have to sugarcoat it a little bit because architecture degree, that was seven years before I could practice. So I said, look, I'm in Australia, and if you study hospitality management back then, in two years you can get your residency. And then all your uni fees and everything's paid by the government, like hex, right? And that was the thing. That was my pitch. I'm like, so I don't need to work part-time, this and that. Then I can actually just focus on my studies. But my first job in a kitchen, my first day as a busboy, I'm like, yeah, I think I could do this for a living. I mean, up to date, when people ask me, is my real passion is cooking? I'm like, not really. There's so many things I'm passionate about, like a lot art, music, and anything creative. And I still have a massive, massive soft spot for design and architecture. I mean, I still find it amazing what you can do with space. But all these things I just mentioned, it's restaurants that brings them together into one space. The design, the architecture, the space, the music, all the senses. And yes, cooking is a big part of it. And I knew if I want to be get into F&B, I had to learn how to cook and I could be creative with it. Yeah, long the years that I've worked, I've realized I'm glad how I started. I started from the scratch and I learned pretty much everything. And now it's been 18 years and I look back and I, I'm like, I made the best decision I've ever made. Your love for art and architecture and design is captured in all of your restaurants, which we'll you know talk about in just a little bit. You've worked at some of the hottest restaurants in Australia, such as Tetsuya by Japanese chef Tatsuya Wakuda, Yellow by Brent Savage, and Taxi Dining Room, now Taxi Kitchen. You know, how did those experiences help you to get to where you are today? So I was working at a lot of cafes and pubs in Australia while I was studying. And then after I got married and I told my wife, Manuel, I'm like, if I want to be in this industry, I need to be one of the best chefs. I just couldn't be average. So I applied pretty much for every single hatted restaurant in Melbourne. Two places got back to me and uh, one was taxi. Even they didn't really have a position, but they got back to me. And back then, the head chef was Perry and executive chef was Michael Lambie. And I said, look, I want to be in fine dining. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And they gave me an opportunity. I took it. I started my career from scratch again. I was a sous chef at a pub getting paid quite well. And all my friends thought I'm crazy. I'm going to work for one third of my salary and work double the hours. And I said, no, I don't want to be average at what I do. And if I'm to be one of the best one day, I'll have to work really, really hard. And that's what I did. So I got to work at Taxi Dining Room back then, which is Taxi Kitchen now. I learned all my basics, how to make a stock, how to make a sauce, how to make a parfait, like all my basics, how to behave in a kitchen, what fine dining is, why it's different from a casual restaurant and the discipline and how hard you need to work. It was tiring. And then obviously I was there for almost four years, three and a half, and then moved to Sydney to work at Tetsuya. I mean, it was one of my dream 
places to work at back then you google best chef in australia that was still up there and he's i don't think any australian chef has achieved what he has like to get to his level that's just an unreal goal which is not impossible but he's in that level so obviously details that's what i learned from tets details like how much details you need to put into something to make it better and make it perfect and discipline it was like being at army and then after that i joined brent savage and i didn't know i was going to be a pastry chef he said yeah you the pastry chef at yellow now so i i got to learn pastry and also his kitchens are very creative very creative driven you always think differently and you always see how can you change things in a way that people don't think it's a thinking kitchen and so all three places gave me very three different lessons and i think it was the perfect training anyone could ask for yeah it's quite a culinary journey you know that you've been on and of course all these experiences shaped you to what you are now and you moved to singapore in 2014 and partnered with low kick pang in 2016 to open cheek by jowl that restaurant quickly became a cbd favorite for its modern australian cuisine and subsequently clinched a one star in the michelin guide singapore 2017 you know were you surprised by the booming success of the restaurant to a point i actually didn't move in 14 to open cheek we moved here randomly we didn't even have jobs and i worked at a pub in singapore for 6 months Coloxwell and Co and then I managed to get a head chef gig at a place called Maka which I came up with the concept and everything and back then Irene was the manager so we both opened Maka and I was the head chef there that's where I met Peng he came and had dinner there once and even in 14 what we were doing at Maka was very different from anything that Singapore was doing i mean everyone was cooking either high end classic french food or the mid level of restaurants were not they were not creative places it was very still you had to be something you had to be greek french italian and i'm like that's why the name modern australian came from as well like what do you call it because it's not french it's not italian it's you couldn't culturally box it into anything and then that's where ping came and ate he's like couple of months later he gave me a call he's like you know do something with me i'm like why not that's how cheek by jowl happened and i came up with the concept the name everything and then i said manuela you coming on board with me to do this and did we imagine we would get a michelin star probably not because when we opened michelin guide was not even in singapore so that was not the goal i mean it never was the goal to get awards or chase behind stars this is what we love and like i said before it was the same love i still have that i had 18 years ago i mean it's a love restaurant so whether i have a star or not it just doesn't really bother me as long as i still love what i do it's nice to have awards and stars i mean especially for people who works with you even for myself it's a little reward but there's a bigger picture than just chasing those stars and what came next was quite shocking you decided to close down cheek by jowl barely a year later to open a more casual outlet named cheek bistro you know in its place to focus on a second restaurant a fine dining concept named cloud street you know changing the restaurant's name meant that you had to give up your michelin star but it was a risk that you know soon paid off when the michelin inspectors gave cheek bistro their stamp of approval a highly coveted star in the michelin guide 2019 selection looking back on it was there ever the slightest bit of doubt that this could backfire massively 
not when I decided I was so sure what I wanted to do about then. And also, like you said, it was very successful. It was busy for lunch and dinner. We had Michelin stars and we never had to worry about anything. But I was 32. I'm like, if this is the highest of my career, I would be very upset one day. And I knew if I have to move on and sometimes you just have to let go of things just in order for you to achieve more. So that was exactly the plan. But we closed and the next day you wake up, you're like, now I'm going to have two restaurants and they have to be good. And it did put a lot of pressure. I'm like, I was nervous. Timelines were very tight for both places. We changed Cheek by Jal to Cheek Bistro within six days and then... Two months later, we did our soft opening at Cloud Street. So it was very tight. It was a busy, busy year, 2018. And that same week that constructions were happening, that's when Ashish asked me to meet him for a coffee and pitch the idea for a Sri Lankan restaurant. And I'm like, it was two, now it's three. And I'm like, you know what? I still have a lot of time if I do a mistake. I still have all my life to just start everything from scratch. And I have three amazing opportunities. I'm going to say yes, and I'm just going to go with it. And fast forward to 2021, here we are with three restaurants. And they've been pretty good. Yeah, and the third restaurant, which you you know mentioned, is Kotua, a communal-style casual restaurant with, a, with an a la carte menu featuring traditional Sri Lankan food. The restaurant marks a milestone in your personal growth trajectory. In your early years, did you always feel that, you know, you had to work harder to prove yourself to staff and customers who could not grasp how a Sri Lankan could be cooking modern Australian cuisine? It used to confuse a lot of people. Up to date, even Cloud Street, they come and look for an Australian chef and then... It takes them a while to realize I'm actually the chef, which I find quite amazing. And I mean, that's one thing I've always wanted because at Cloud Street, we all wear the same uniform. There's not really a hierarchy when you come and eat there because the concept that we wanted there was very different. And yeah, it does confuse people. And yes, I had to work hard and I had to prove a point, especially when people always ask me, Oh, you should open a Sri Lankan restaurant. You should cook Sri Lankan food. I'm like, no, I don't want to do what my mom does. My grandma did for years and I didn't start cooking to known for one thing. I started cooking because I have an idea of what a restaurant should be. And until I achieve that, I'll, I'll be working really, really hard. We're in conversation with Rishi Nalindra. He's the chef and owner of Cheek Bistro, Cloud Street and Kotua. Kotua is named after the Sri Lankan capital's central business district. It is also the Sinhalese word for fort, ancient landmarks built by Sinhalese kings and the Portuguese, Dutch and British settlers that have influenced the country's history. Now, for a first-timer heading to Kotua, what would you recommend from the menu? Egg hoppers are bloody good. I mean, it's one thing I'm very proud of and, like, it's really, really good. The rest you could always ask a Sri Lankan or, like, anyone like who has had Sri Lankan food, you could say, I've had this better somewhere else. But hoppers there are really, really good. I mean, it took me a long time to get it right. I've tried so many times and the way we're doing it right now, I'll be very honest, it was a little conversation I had with a customer at Cloud Street. She's originally from Kerala and... Uh, they had a family dinner and I said, oh, I've been struggling to cook hoppers because Kerala food comes very close to Sri Lankan food and they have up there as well. And 
she said, I have a recipe. And she invited me and Manuela to her place. And she cooked one day and said, this is my recipe. And I took the recipe and I, I changed it a little bit to suit what we do. And that's how I got the hopper recipe. So everyone should have an egg hopper there. Yeah, the hoppers are amazing. As well as, you know, the curries that accompany the hoppers. We can talk about the prawns, the chicken, the pork, and um, of course, the crab, which unfortunately I wasn't able to try when I visited. But you also have the fish. Now, you mentioned earlier that you worked as a pastry chef and your desserts, you know, you can really see from your time there with your chocolate biscuit pudding as well. I highly recommend if um, people who are listening to this should, you know, definitely try. But I think one of the most interesting things from the restaurant is your cocktail selection. Now, this is intriguing. Why? Because it's named after the trains in Sri Lanka. Now, what was the thought process behind this? So initially, I wanted to name all the cocktails after cricketing terms. I was going to actually start with the bowling terms like a bounce, a yorker, things like that. And But then I was not so sure. One night, we haven't even had open couture yet. And our bartender hasn't had started work with us. We were waiting for his pass to approve. And I was sitting there with Des, the restaurant manager, and I said... All the trains in Sri Lanka has names. And Kotua, it's the central station of Sri Lanka as well. I said, why don't we name everything after Sri Lankan train names? Because it's quite cute how they have pet names for all the trains that runs in Sri Lanka. So that's where the idea came from. And then we are like, oh, I wanted the little rail tracks with the little dots. And Tess is the one who came up, who said, oh, why don't we actually have it like a train map so you unfold? And you mentioned your passion for arts and architecture and, uh, you know, the creative elements. The decor at the restaurant captures your vision perfectly. You know, it's something that anyone will notice as soon as you walk in from the sort of bull's head on the wall to uh, some of the other sculptures and paintings and so on that you have. What was, you know, your vision behind this concept? So when we first started, like it's the same designers who designed uh, Cloud Street who is Grey Matters, and uh, Annalisa used to work for Grey Matters. She did an amazing job with Cloud Street and also Couture. And Alan, I've known him for a while as well. So they sort of know what I like and what I don't like. And pretty much I told them, look, do anything, but don't make it look like a cliche Indian or a Sri Lankan restaurant. That's not me. I hate going to places, and it's so cliche, especially modern places. I understand if it's been there for years Right. And especially when it comes to Indian or Sri Lankan restaurants, like I just wanted to make sure that our cultures can be as cool as any other culture in the world. We are fun people. We love music. We love decor. We love good design. But not quite often it's been represented in our restaurants. And that's why music, one of my really good friends did the playlist. And it's funky it's upbeat it's lively and i wanted the same thing for the space like funny you mentioned the bull's head i bought it off a second hand shop like six seven months ago randomly and even man was like why are you buying i randomly buy things if i like <laughs> and and it was big she's like what are you gonna do with it i'm like i don't know one day i might need it and there was that space i could i'm like that's where the bull's head going now this is you know to set up kotua you took seven other friends on a trip to sri lanka Last year, in February, you know, you visited local markets and ate your way through the island nation. What were some of your biggest takeaways from the trip? Actually, that trip, that was just a, pretty much a holiday. It was was with my friends and my brother's wedding. So we all spent like two weeks in Sri Lanka. But the week after, I actually took Alan, who is the head chef. He's been Now he's been with me for almost four years. I said, Alan, 
you've been with me for a while. This is a little gift. We go on a business trip to Sri Lanka. <laughs> so we went for five days and we ate. We just ate for five days. And he's someone that who gets so excited about food in general. And always when he was at Cheek, he cooked staff meals. Like even from Cloud Street, some days I just go to Cheek just to eat staff meal. So yeah, it was the perfect opportunity for us to go discover what Sri Lanka is and what Sri Lankan food is. And it did help a lot. I think it's and also knowing the generosity and how welcoming people are there. And hopefully it shows that Kotu and people go there. Rishi, most people assume that Sri Lankan food is like Indian food and it's just, you know, curries. What would you say to them? I mean, why has subcontinental food been overlooked and never seen as, you know, a sophisticated cuisine? I think it's to do with us as well. I mean, I'm pretty sure some people still come to Couture and think, why do I pay this much for this particular thing when I can get it made at home and my mom's food? I mean, sophistication of food, it doesn't come just with food. Like I said, it's restaurant, design, the music, the service, how branding, branding has a lot to do with it. And I mean, you had the food, there's nothing fancy about food, but everything around it, it's not fancy, but... There is a level of sophistication through the process of building a restaurant. And I think when it comes to our cultures, we miss that point somehow. And sometimes what we think is luxuries, so dated. I hope no one take offense of it. Like what Indians or Sri Lankans, as much as we are modern in so many other ways, sometimes our thinking is still very dated when it comes to certain things. And that's why I always thought why we can't serve our food in a funky fun space. Obviously, you can't price it at your usual Indian or Sri Lankan price points because you're drinking out of really nice glasses. You have amazing branded plateware, good cutlery. You're sitting on a very comfortable chain, a very comfortable space that we spend a lot of money on. And I think a lot of us was missing the point and I'm glad we finally have something in Singapore that we can enjoy and it's very close to our hearts and where we come from, right? And But it's still cool as anything else in Singapore. Yeah, it certainly got something about it. And you were mentioning earlier that, you know, there was a gap in the market for an authentic Sri Lankan restaurant. I know it is quite close to your heart, but it's not something that you wanted to be remembered as. You wanted to set up your other restaurants first. There were problems, you know, before you launched Kotua. We had the start of the pandemic and I understand you were meant to open much earlier than you did. You know, what were some of the challenges that you sort of faced along the way with the pandemic? And what sort of feedback have you received since opening? I mean, the moment that the word problem comes out, most of the time I see an opportunity and I'll take it. And problems are the ones that who creates those opportunities that you can work on. And it was, I think it was perfect timing. Yes, it was not the best year possibly that we could have had, but it's not the worst year, right? It was perfect timing. And I couldn't do takeaway through Cloud Street. And I was meant to open Kotu and I did. I, I launched it. I still did open Kotu in a way, online p- platform. And we did takeaway and we survived through the pandemic. And I think it was brilliant timing. And I'm glad it was delayed. It gave me a lot of time to think about a lot of things, plan. And because we did the takeaway, we learned what can we do and what can't we do. And also when we opened Kotu, we had enough time to develop a couple of new dishes as well. Rishi, you could have easily started your career by launching a Sri Lankan restaurant, you know, but you decided to venture down a different path. So what does finally owning a Sri Lankan restaurant mean to you? Very happy for sure. Like I'm very, very happy that it's enough portfolio now and being able to present 
a really good Sri Lankan restaurant to the public and in a very different level as well. So I'm very, very happy about that. And I, I think it was the perfect timing because if I would have launched my career as a Sri Lankan chef, it would be so hard for me to go back and do Cloud Street, which is my baby. So I'm glad I got to build my career to Cloud Street and then go back and do Sri Lankan restaurant. When guests visit Kotua, what do you want their biggest takeaway to be? I think for me, Kotua is the definition of just have a good time. Yes, food's very important. Everything else around it is very important. But it's a place you just chill, listen to some good music, have a good conversation, speak a little louder than usual because the music is a little loud, and just have a good time. That's what Sri Lankans do. No matter what they go through, they always manage to have a good time, and they've gone through a lot. A 30-year-old civil war, a good tsunami wiped most of it off, Easter attacks, and if any country, it's one place that they'll always find what's a new normal. And they always manage to have a good time even when it's a really, really bad time, and that's Kotua. You just have a good time. And I think one of the first things that you you will notice if people go to Sri Lanka or have been is the hospitality. And that is captured in the restaurant that is Kotua. And I told you that, you know, when I talked to you off air and when I was, um, you know, visiting your restaurant is that, you know, the sort of hospitality and the culture, despite everything else that's happened, you know, people are still smiling, going about their lives. And food is very important to Sri Lankan culture. And it's really nice to see something like that in Singapore. Now, you know, finally, what was going through your mind when you received your first Michelin star? It's a little hard to explain. I mean... To be honest, up to date, it's still one of the best days of my life. As much as I say, I don't want stars or awards. That feeling the first time, I don't think I'll ever experience that again. It was unexpected. And I mean, you just start thinking of everything you did before you got to that point in like a second. So it was amazing. I don't think I'll ever experience that again, that first Michelin star. That, that's very, very special. And how can they find out more about Kotua in terms of the location? It's at Wanderlust Hotel, which 8M Development has done an amazing, amazing job of renovating the space and getting it up and running in a pandemic. Number two, Dixon Road, and you'll always have a good time there. Yeah, for everyone listening to this, if you want authentic Sri Lankan food, head down to Kotua, but also check out Cheek Bistro and Cloud Street. We've been speaking to Rishi Nalindra. He's the chef and owner of Cheek Bistro, Cloud Street and Kotua. Rishi, thank you so much for your time and, you know, sharing your story and how important it was to, you know, start off doing something different before, you know, going back to your roots and your culture. And, uh, you know, I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you very much, Adrian. It was a pleasure to be here.